On this episode of the Grizz Podcast, I have the privilege to interview Pastor Jarrett Samuels from the Pursuit of Manliness podcast. We talk about all sorts of things like his upbringing, his salvation, godly men who have influenced and discipled him, challenges he's faced throughout life, marriage, family, culture, all sorts of things, man. You guys are going to get a lot out of this. That's what I'm talking about. Anyway, let's go with that old school Grizz podcast intro. Here we go. Y'all know what time it is. You're listening to the Grizz Podcast. It's gonna be raw. It's gonna be real. And it's gonna be relevant. We're here to guide, encourage, and equip you to live the manly life that God is calling you to live. It's time for you to step up and man up. That's what God expects. And that's what this jacked up world desperately needs. Now here's our host, Jason George. Where are you at right now? I am in Indianapolis, Indiana. Oh, okay. You Colts fan? No. I don't know why I feel like I need to say Indiana because I don't know how many Indianapolises there are, but uh, I'm a Packers fan. Oh, that's better. That's my second favorite team. <laughs> the Colts, are, and that's brutal. It is brutal. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, I had a few guys that are listeners to the Grizz podcast. I had asked them on our closed Facebook group uh, that's called the Grizz Tribe. I just said, who are some guys, or I don't care if they're even women, uh, out there that you would want me to interview. And you were one of the top ones that came up. Guys said, hey, go interview Jarrett Samuels from The Pursuit of Manliness. And so I began listening to The Pursuit of Manliness. I've listened to probably about six episodes, and I hit the subscribe button, brother. And I was like, this is good. So I'll get out on the lawnmower and get me some Pursuit of Manliness, man. And uh, I like it when you're doing kind of the garage talks. Um, I can yeah. picture you there, even the acoustics. Some guys would probably be like, man, it doesn't sound as good, but I like it. And um, I like it that you just talk about living the simple, quiet life, man. That's mm-hmm. that's good stuff. So anyway. Appreciate it. Tell the guys about yourself. Kind of, I always like to start out, what was your upbringing like? Your childhood, your home life? Was it a Christian home? Was it a pagan home. <laughs> what, yeah. what was going on there? What was that like, man? Well, I, I grew up in Southeast Iowa, uh, blue collar family. And, uh, it feels like most of the people in Southeast Iowa were blue collar factory workers and stuff. So, uh, learned, certainly learned a, a work ethic and such. My parents took me to church. They would be certainly first generation Christians. The story is way I understood it. My uncle came to our house one day. I don't remember this, but basically put a, a Bible in my dad's chest and said, you need to read this. And, um, we're not, we're not people that like to be told what to do. So I'm shocked that, that he did. And in hindsight, uh, they got us to a church. We went, uh, so I was raised in, in what would be a, a Christian home. 
uh, certainly did the best they could. I, I didn't, I mean, I was there. I tried to have a moral compass of such, but as far as, as my own faith, no, it, it was more of a Band-Aid. You know, we, we, we rarely miss church, if ever, but it, I wouldn't say it was anyone's fault that I didn't I didn't grab it. It was just, you know, that I, I, that Proverbs 3, 5, 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean on, on not on your own understanding, all your ways acknowledge Him. I don't know what that meant. Like, that was the first verse I memorized, but I didn't have a clue what that meant to, like, and now I look back and think, did anyone know I was completely lost? Did anyone know that mm. I didn't have any clue what I was, I did, you know, so that's why I have a heart for saying, hey, let's try to create stuff environments communities whatever that we can help people and say we know you're lost mm. let me let me let me try to get you back on that narrow road if we can so um yeah i mean i grew up in in church and stuff so it, it just it took a while before i had to finally own it myself wow that's interesting man it makes you think about how many dudes uh are going to church week after week but uh they're lost man as a ball in high weeds and they don't even know it and that's why i think it's so crucial yeah. that uh, pastors may think, well, I want to go on to the deeper subjects. And I want pastors to, but I think that there needs to be at least every other month, maybe that Sunday where it's like, let's just have the basics. Are mm -hmm. you saved? What does it mean to be saved? What, you know, and evangelism, so important. We don't see evangelists in the church anymore uh, like we used to. I think you, I think you have to do both. And I think you can do it every weekend. Um, I, I'm certainly not the best at it, but I, I give it my, you know, this is what, uh, Peter does when he's preaching, you know, and the guy, the, the lame beggar grabbing onto him and he tells him Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, whatever he gives them the indictment. And then he gives them the invitation. Mm. And I think we need to do the same. Like, this is the truth. And you can go as deep as you want to plunge. You get your scuba gear on and do that. But at some point there has to be a point to this. There has to be an application. If I'm just flexing my theological muscles on you, nobody's going to be impressed. Mm -hmm. and, and that doesn't do us any good. Because, For example, I have three kids. They've all made decisions to surrender to Jesus. But I remember being a kid, assuming I surrendered to Jesus, not having a clue what that looked like to live that out. So That's I have right. to be cognizant of that. Like, well, I need to resource you up and I need to have conversations with you. And I need to be the point man to guide you to where hopefully – you can stand on your own two feet and hold fast to the gospel. Otherwise, we've just checked a box and said, good luck. That's right. I believe kids, even young kids, can genuinely be saved, but I am always watchful. Like, it's so easy to get them to go through the motions to pray this prayer, raise this hand, come be baptized, and they'll do it, but... I've always tried to like watch my kids and even watch kids growing up in the church. And as they get into the teen years to really press that question to them, are you really saved? Yeah. And what does it look like to be saved? And I think people are nervous by that. Cause you say, well, you're questioning my salvation. No, it's scriptural mm. that you need to, you need to hold fast. Paul says that, you know, was this in vain? Did, 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 did this gospel come to you? It was a big, big waste of time. Mm. <clears throat> and so, I was a former children's pastor and we would meet with parents and they were so excited to see their kid make this decision. And you should be. However, God has leveraged you to be the greatest influence in their life forever. Mm. I, those kids that I shared the gospel with or sat at a table with, or even baptized <clears throat> a large number of them, I, they don't know me now. They don't know my number. They don't, but they still, they're still connected to their family unit. So mm. uh, my kids, you know, teenagers, and now I, I got a nine-year-old, like it is my job forever to help get them to heaven. Now that job is modified as they get older and they take a spouse and such, but I never get to clock out on that. Mm. That's good, man. That's good stuff. 
who was instrumental in helping you understand the real gospel, real salvation, like that I always tell people, do you have a head faith or a heart faith? That's the Mm. question. Head faith is, I believe, I cognitively know, I have a mental kind of agreement. Yes, that's true. But has it gone down into the heart to where you see the fruits of repentance? When did that take place in your life? Was there someone who was instrumental? Help us understand that, brother. Well, I think first and foremost, you know, I talk about my childhood and missing it. And a lot of guys will say that, like I was there, you know, I I think we have generations now that don't go to church, but I was there. So my parents would get the credit of getting me there. You know, I think there were plenty of teachers, Sunday school teachers, youth leaders who tried to do that. Uh, For me, it became a point where I thought, if this is what the Christian life is, I can't do it. I can't talk that way. I can't dress that way. I'm not going to do it. I don't, I I don't know how, I mean, I'm, it's just not me. You know? So for me, it, it became people from a distance. It became like an athlete who I, you know, like Robert Brooks for the Packers. I remember hearing he was a Christian going, okay, I'm curious. Okay. And so that, or other preachers, you know, I, I used to have a commute where I'd listen to like Alistair Begg and Adrian Rogers. And I go, that's some like good this. stuff right there. Yeah, I, I, I like this. I had Dr. Michael Youssef, mm-hmm. uh, church of the apostles in Atlanta, you know, so starting to hear that different for me, Mark Driscoll was huge. And I was able to poo poo that, but Mark Driscoll just went through scripture. No, and he, he did. <laughs> and I he mean, did it we in all way. know what we, we know where he deviated. Uh, yeah, but yeah, absolutely. He had a big impact upon many guys, including me, brother. Go ahead. But the way he did it, would be radically different than Alistair Begg, right? So look at this. My father-in-law is a pastor. And so seeing him serve, but seeing behind the curtain of him serving people, and I would say like, well, that sucks. Like, I don't want to do that. You know, that's that's been a struggle for me in ministry. Like he would serve people and, and I'd see people take advantage of him and whatever. And he's like, and he's no chump. But seeing those things, I think God placed a guy named John Brashear was an elder at my first church. who I'll never forget, I was speaking at a school and um, I thought I killed it. Kids high five me. Teacher said, thank you. Did a good job. Principal said, we'd love to have you back. It was a Christian school. And um, I started to walk out and John Brashear was sitting there and he grabbed me by the elbow. Nice way, but he grabbed me by the elbow and I knew he wanted my attention. He said, here's what you think you did, but here's what you actually did. Mm. And I thought, you don't know what you're talking about. Did you just see what happened? here? I went to the car, almost like that old man doesn't know what he, I have thanked that guy tenfold because mm. there are people like that have showed me like, this is a high call. And this is not something we take flippantly. And if you're going to do it, you need to do it well. And, and so for me, there's just been a, a mosaic of men through the years that just maybe some of them for seasons, some of them for storms. It just depends. But uh, there's a long line of guys who have helped me understand what it looks like to follow Jesus. That's awesome, man. So you got to see the real deal. And then, you know, it's interesting that you are just listening to these great preachers of the Bible you know, as you're making the commute or whatever. And, you know, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And that, man, that's so good. I remember hearing a story. Uh, I was reading the, uh, I think it was the biography of Jerry Falwell Sr. Mm. And he said that, you know, he wasn't living for God growing up, his teen years was doing whatever. But he said his mom would put on like the old time gospel hour on the radio. And she would just play it in the morning when she was getting breakfast ready. The kids were going, he's like, man, I hated it. I said, hear this preacher constantly. But he admitted that that was really formative, like for him and paving the way. Uh, Anyway, when did you sense a call to ministry um, in your life? You know, uh, 
I thought I, you know, I thought I was going to be like a history teacher or maybe teach second grade. I wanted to coach sports. I'm so glad I didn't do that. Um, but there was a year where I was working for our, our school system in my hometown. My wife was as well. And she was invited to be the nurse at the, at the uh, Christian camp that summer. I had never gone to church camp. Not, I, I went to sports camp, but not church camp. The guy on the phone said, Hey, would your husband want to come too? We need, we were just newly married and said, would you want to come and uh, be the lifeguard? And I said, yes. Now here's the problem. I, I couldn't swim. And so <laughs> I go to him and I said, man, I can't swim, but I'll figure it out. Cause like, I've never drowned. I've been in water. I've never drowned before, but I thought, okay. So I was working for a school system every day at lunchtime. There was a girl, I can't remember her name, but I worked with her. She was a lifeguard at the local YMCA. And she would, she taught me how to swim, essentially get the weight off the bottom of the pool, tie me. The first time I did it, she and my wife are laughing at me when I came back. And I thought, well, that's a bad sign. I learned to swim the, the right way for the most part, and uh, got my, my life going. I didn't know what you did at church camp. It seems so lame to me. I'm like, seriously, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I'm getting older now. I'm a Christian, but I'm like, what on earth do you do at a church camp? This is like Sunday school in the heat. And uh, the guy made us go to chapel every night. And I, here I'm working there. I'm like, I got things to do. I don't got time to listen to these guys speak. You know, like they're, they're, these are fifth graders. What am I doing? Mm. But there was a guy one night talking to uh, probably junior high, high school kids. And I felt God's call to go into ministry. Now my father-in-law and my three brother-in-laws are on ministry. And I thought, no, I don't want to do that because that's what they're doing. It mm -hmm. looks like I'm trying to be one of them and I, I don't want to do that. But I remember telling my wife, hey, I feel like God's called me to ministry at night, which I have no cooth. I told her when she was giving medicine to the kids and just dropped it on her. Her dad talks to me and uh, says, hey, what, what's going on here? And so I really wrestled with this. And um, man, there was, there was a church that my brother-in-law knew and they were looking for a guy and we came in and interviewed there and they voted 97% yes for me to come there. I'm thinking, how desperate are these people? I have, yeah. I have no experience. There's, I was involved in puppet ministry. That's all I had. <laughs> I wouldn't hire me today if I came into my church and said, Hey, you want a job? But they did. And the thing is my brother-in-law was at a church about 25 minutes away and he's killing it, killing mm. it. I mean, youth ministry. And I know what they're thinking. We're getting one of the family relatives here. We, and I'm like, yeah. you're getting a guy that doesn't know which way is up. But I'm so thankful for that church, and that's where that guy John Brashear was. They took a chance on me. To me, that's where I cut my teeth. Mm. You know, they, they, I, I learned work ethic. Uh, I mean, it was like survive or drown, you know. Right. And, uh, boy, the Lord put some people in my life there. So for me, that that call was – it was very unsettling. You know, it's exciting because you think, well, I'm going to work in an office, and everyone's going to, like, think you're really smart. No. Mm. <laughs> That's not where I've worked. And uh, if you, so you have to feel called to ministry. If you want to work at a church, you will quit. You you mm. can't stay there. It's too hard to work at a church. I know it looks fun, but you haven't clocked in yet. You have to feel called to ministry. You have to put your hand to the plow and not look back because it's hard. Mm. It is hard. And uh, yeah, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah. So when you were at the camp, you were watching this guy teach kind of these middle school students, was there something in you that as he's teaching, you could see yourself doing that one day? Did something like that happen? I think so. Um, the, the thing that's hard for people to understand is I'm really introverted. <clears throat> I'm a lone wolf. I, I, I'd rather be your sound guy than on the stage. Yeah. Um, and I think God has a sense of humor because everything I do is this. I, I don't want to do video. I don't like doing this stuff. But as you know, you have to, to have any credibility. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to preach a sermon from backstage. It's hard. I mean, I used to down a 
12 ounce Mountain Dew before I went up there thinking, all right, we, we got to get ready for this. And so I think I could see that I could see myself doing that. But the reality is, and I think you always have this to a degree. The, the reality is I really had no idea what I was doing. Mm. I wanted to tell people about Jesus. I wanted to teach the Bible, but experience is expensive. You know, you have to do some things the hard way. You have to do some things that scare you to death. Mm -hmm. I would just be almost paralyzed before I would go up to speak. My very first sermon when I tried out for this church who voted me in 97%, I got to the end of it and I couldn't remember how to end a message. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's ridiculous as I'm sitting here to pray, right? We pray for everything. Yeah. And I looked at the worship guy and I said, that's all I got. And I walked off and he came up and was like, okay, well, here, I'm telling you what, God used someone that had no business being up there. And um, here we are. Yeah, that's good. I love it, man. It's just raw, real. <laughs> and uh, that's the way to learn. I was asking just that uh, when, when you were watching this guy, I had something similar. I didn't understand that it was the call of God at the time, but I wanted to mention this for some young guys that listen uh, to this podcast but I was in a Bible class in ninth grade at a Christian school, didn't give a rip about God, didn't give a rip about chapels, anything like that. Had seen so much hypocrisy and crap. But this Bible teacher was there. His name was Tim Ross. And I liked this guy. He was so energetic with a class of 30 students. Every class, he was just like, I'm going to bring it. And he really did. And I can remember him standing on desk and he was funny and I could watch the passion for the Bible, and I could tell that he really was a Christian. He really followed Jesus. He didn't just, you know, wear the jersey. And there was something in my heart that was like, I want to do that one day. And I just like, I could feel it was, it was deep, it was intrinsic, it was a pull, and I just blew it off. But there would be times where yep. I could sense that. But then after I came to Christ... It was about a year later when I finally surrendered to that. And I was like, okay, God, I'm, I'm not going to go the route of military and other things I'm thinking about doing, but it's you and I'm going to pursue yeah. it. And I yeah. just wanted the young guys to hear that, like pay attention to, uh, to, I don't want to say feelings, um, feelings can deceive, but there's something in you that you'll feel a pull, a call. It'll kind of like light a fire in you. And you better have that, or like you said, don't go into the ministry. <laughs> you know, it's weird, and I can't remember the context, but twice I had filled out some kind of paperwork to go to Ozark Christian College in Joplin, Missouri. And oh, yeah. one time I think I even had a roommate. Like it, this guy calls me, he's like, hey, you got a microwave, I got a toaster or whatever. And twice I didn't go. Like I, And I don't remember why I thought I was going to go to – I don't know what I thought I was going to do there, mm -hmm. but I had, I had at least – done that. And, um, you're absolutely right. There's a book, uh, on being a pastor by Alistair Begg, and he wrote it with his mentor, Derek prime. And the very first chapter is on calling. I think it's to me personally, the best resource for anyone in minute. I think it's a Christian book period, but especially in ministry. And that calling is really important because it talks about the calling being affirmed by those who know you the best or, or have seen spiritual fruit in your life or see spiritual fruit potential in your life. And for me as an introvert, my, my wife grew up in that church. Her dad's got a large personality as far like, so he and I had some real conversations, but I, most of the people in that church wouldn't have known who I am. And looking back, I think, 
man, I should have had more confirmation. Now the Lord took care of that. Mm-hmm. But if we're if we're going to do it the way that you say, am I really going to do this for the long haul, or do I just want to work in a climate controlled environment? Then I need to make sure the calling is there, and I need to have some people praying over me. And I know when I got ordained, which was a couple two three years later, I didn't want to be ordained in the beginning because I'm like, no, I want to make sure this is real. It was the scariest thing I ever went through, and these guys grilled me and asked me all these questions. But again, affirming that high call, like, are you really going to do this for life? And yeah. and here we are, twenty whatever years later. Yep. I just pulled that book up. It's uh, it's called On Being a Pastor, Understanding Our Calling and Work by Derek J. Prime and Alistair Begg. Mm-hmm. So if the guys are interested, I'll put that in the show notes as well, man. That's cool. I, you know, I love Alistair Begg. That's his mentor that he wrote it with. And I'm like, well, doggone. I, I, wow. But it's every aspect of ministry. It is a phenomenal read, especially for those who are in ministry or considering it. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, too, that you said that you're more introverted than extroverted because I'm the same way. I'm more of a loner. I enjoy just getting away from the crowds. I don't naturally like the crowds. I don't like all the commute, uh, commotion, loudness. I don't naturally like being in the limelight. I get very nervous, have to deal and battle through anxiety. Um, it's hard, like you said, because with what we're doing, even with podcast ministry, I have a hard time like promoting because I want to promote. I want to get it out there on different outlets because you got to make people aware. They're never going to know that you have something that could be a benefit. But yet I see the call in the gospel where he's like, you must decrease. I must increase. And it's not about you. Don't make much of yourself. And so I've really tried to, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. And it it is a struggle. Uh, because I do see some guys when I'm on social media that I'm like, man, they just, it's constantly promoting themselves and it's constantly a, a picture of themselves and look how many I led to Christ and this is what's happening. And yeah. it's just like, man, I don't want to be that guy because it's, it's not about you. <laughs> you know, I, at the end of the day, I'm not that great. I'm really not. I'm not great at all. Um, I got a daughter who's upstairs right now. She's doing e-learning days. She could probably affirm that. I'm just trying. You know, and so I, I don't want to create environments where I make a mini version of myself. I, I want to create environments where one, I'm going to get, I want to get you around better quality men. You know, I have something to offer, but I don't have everything to offer. Uh, what I want to do though, is ultimately let, let, let's challenge each other to follow Christ. Let's challenge each other to be men of presence, men of value, et cetera. One of the things that I've done to make sure that I'm not promoting in a way that is I don't want to say manipulating the moment is I, I don't ever post on pursuit of manliness stuff. My wife and kids, I have a wife and kids. I love them. I'll do anything for them. I don't want to have to have a ham sandwich and go, Hey, look at me. I have a ham sandwich, with my wife and kids. Let's just assume that we have family meals. Sometimes let's assume we do family. Tr- I, I don't ever want to do that. And to me, when I, when, if, when I have found myself in those situations where I feel like I need to do that, that's where you're saying it's becoming about you. Don't make it about you. Yeah. I don't want to make another version of me. I got three, three of them running around my house, uh, but I want them to become a version of Christ more than, than myself. Yeah. I get it, man. Um, I remember it was probably about six months ago. I went through our ministry Facebook page for Narrow Ministries, and I was getting so annoyed at what I was seeing from other people, um, guys in ministry, speakers, and I was like, 
am I doing that? Have I done that over the last 12 <laughs> years since I started Narrow So I literally went back 12 years of post. My wife's watching TV. I'm on the computer beside her. She's like, what are you doing? What, what are you so wrapped up in? I said, I'm literally deleting 12 years of post that feature yeah. that not other people posted. I posted, I'm speaking here. 50 kids came to Christ and I try to make it spiritual. Praise the Lord, whatever. But I keep posting like, look at me because I'm looking for some kind of affirmation, significance, whatever. And I was just like, I don't feel right about that. Um, If it's me with other people, if somebody else wants to say, here's a picture of Jason, he was speaking. It really encouraged me. That's fine. But I'm trying, man, to really figure this thing out. Like it's not about me. And if people get too wrapped up in trying to follow me or trying to follow Jared, they're missing the point. Jared and I are trying to follow Christ and we're stumbling along the way. We've not arrived and we want you to join us. But can we be honest, just between two of us, it's so hard. It is. Because you you see that, (laughs) you know, you see those posts, you see those videos and you're like, I, I still, like I do all that stuff, you know, or I, I, you know, you know, I think that the heart is the most important part. Like it's not wrong for you and I to make a post and say, Hey, I was at this retreat or I was at this weekend or I was at this men's event. I think we really need to check our heart though. And, okay. and, and that's the, I've done the same thing. I've gone through and deleted things and went, Oh, you cheese ball. Let's get that, you know, yeah. or you know, whatever it is. I think really we want God to check our heart. It's not wrong to bring people in on the story. It's not wrong to say, Hey, I was in whatever Ohio, here's what happened. You know, I don't think that's wrong gotcha. as long as the heart's in the right place. Because if a heart's not in the right place, God will say, and that's all the glory you're going to get. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, that's good. And and that's all I'm trying to figure out. And maybe yeah. some things I shouldn't have deleted. You know, maybe I'll say, you know, people <laughs> people that support the ministry and pray for the ministry when yeah. I was up speaking, they, they wanted to know yeah. how it went. Um, yeah. I'm just, I th- I'm thinking of things that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Like, you know, when you do your righteous deeds, don't publicize it. Otherwise, like you, there's your reward. Okay. Yeah. You, did you get the clap? Did you get a hundred likes on that? You know, so right. I, I right. want to keep that heart. And I like what you said. That's what matters. Anyway, um, you're at a church and you're a pastor, but you're doing the pursuit of manliness. Tell us a little bit about that. What church are you at? And where? what's the name of that church? How the heck are you balancing everything, brother? I don't know. Uh, I'm at Castleton <laughs> Christian Church. It's in Indianapolis. The pursuit of manliness was birthed before I came here, so I, I guess I had that going for me. Uh, as in children's ministry, you know, you've done youth ministry. You understand this. You're juggling a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So for me to get a message done, get the security team email out, new church news, some of those things, like it's not that hard. It can be done. Like we just did a men's retreat, and I'm like. We've done vacation Bible schools for years. You know, men's retreat, that's nothing. Grown men can, they don't have to do arts and crafts. That's much easier to not have to have a craft time <laughs> for when, you know, so I, I think I need there's a craft a wider, time. What are you talking about? Well, you can, uh, I, I don't know if I ever did the craft. I always had people who were doing the, I'm not craft. Um, I think it, you know, it's, it's wiring. Not, not all of us are wired the same way. Not all of us have this. I remember, you know, I was thinking yesterday, there was a guy that, I don't think he's doing it anymore, but he had a men's ministry online, like kind of what we're doing here. And he talked about getting up at like four in the morning and editing his podcast and all. I'm like, and he did this for multiple days. I said, what are you editing? Mm. Like, we, we don't care. Just, just give it to, like you talked about out in the garage, man, a school bus is going to go by. I might scream because a mouse runs across the floor. You know, a bird mm-hmm. flew in once my kids might come out there. 
so what? That's what it is. You know, I yeah. used to be so paranoid about that. True. I don't want to give I don't want to give you a cheap version, but at the end of the day, I'm just a guy. You know, guys will come over and say, Hey, I want to see the garage. I want to see what you I'm like, okay, just hit the button. <laughs> They're like, there it is. There There's, ain't you yeah. know, same way with this. Like, there's nothing special about it. All we're trying to do is be consistent to create community. So I'm at a church, a small church here in Indianapolis on the northeast side. Been here for about seven years now, I think. So cool. I preach every weekend for the most part. I love small church. I'm not a fan of mega church. I want I like it when churches I had a pastor in Missouri that taught me this. Um my one pastor had left, moved um, away, and I stepped down from my position where I was part-time youth pastor. I went over to this other church, and this pastor, Pastor Kevin, he had a really, man, just solid teaching, great guy, developing men like, um, what do you call it? Like he, he would just take like eight guys at a time. And he would develop them for like a whole year or two. And then he would take eight more. So in the midst of all the ministry stuff going on, he's doing that. And I was part of that. And um, we were talking and I said, uh, man, we're doing two services. The church is busting. Why don't we get a bigger building? That's natural thinking. Like, man, we could be running instead of four or 500. We could be running like a thousand. Definitely. He goes, I don't want to do that. He goes, why would I do that? I said, well, what are you thinking? And he goes, what we want to do is when we keep seeing it grow bigger and bigger, we want to plant. We want to have somebody else over Like we were in um, Springfield area. So if there's a guy that's nearby in Republic, Missouri or Nixon, Missouri, why would we not plant and support them? Let these guys that I've been trying to train up, just go do their thing. He goes, man, I, I can't know everybody. I can't pastor properly with big mega church. And he goes, I feel like big mega church is overrated. And, uh, it made a ton of sense to me. So, so you, you had the Bass Pro Shop, Lambert's Cafe. Oh yeah, man. Beautiful place, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I love I've that Bass in, Pro Shop. I've been in mega churches. I've been in small churches, you know, I, they both have their problems. They both have a lot of great things. It's, it's really about connecting with people. The downside of a mega church is people can come in and out and kind of blend in. Yeah. The downside of a small church is people can come in and out and not even try to blend in. They're mm. like, no, we're not budging. So same heart, same issues, same. Mm. It just, it just depends. And again, I, you know, what, what has God called you to, you know, some people want to grow this big platform, big church. Well, maybe your character's not ready for that yet. You know, yeah. maybe if you had a thousand people walk in this weekend, you would blow it. You mm. know, uh, we have uh, tribe is our online community. It's, it's a very large tribe. It's global, whatever. But the first time I did it, we had 10 guys and six of them quit within the first month and it was free. And I thought, well, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> and it, God has grown it incrementally through through the years, but I wouldn't have been ready for the number of guys that, that come to it now. And the some of the challenges and conversations we have, I wasn't ready for that, nor did I have the leaders around me. And sometimes, you know, God's called you to be a small church or maybe he's been a, a church planter or, or whatever that is. Um, and just serve him faithfully. He'll take care of the details. Help me understand tribe. So there's yeah. the podcast and a guy says, I want to be part of tribe. Is there something that they show up to where you're speaking to them, where they're interacting? Is it a zoom thing? What help me understand it, brother. It's like an online cult. No, um, there's I people that think it's an All online right. cult. That's why I say Bring the Kool-Aid. Uh, we have a blood sacrifice once a, no, it's, um, it's <laughs> Hey, a, it's wait, what online. kind of watch do you have? This is a Garmin tactical. I like that, man. I'm a watch like, freaking so junkie. let me tell you so around christmas last year my heart was racing a bit 
And I drank a ton of caffeine, coffee, whatever. I thought, well, this ain't good. You're my people. And then the next night I did the same thing. I thought, well, this ain't good. But I am not going to tell anybody because I'm a man. So I'm going to figure it out. So I went online. I said, I need a watch. It's going to help me with like the heart monitoring thing. Figure out like, is this good? We cool? Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea how to use the heart portion of this thing. But I can track a ruck. I can track uh, a lot of things on here, but I can't figure out the heart issue. So, so you got it for the heart thing. Yeah. You, you yeah. have to figure that out. <laughs> and I, I don't got, I, yeah, it's, it's, I think we're good. So, um, tribe is an online community, which sound like people are like, I hate online. I get it. So it's six months at a time. Okay. They commit to six month windows. We have a daily Bible reading plan. We have a, a supplemental book that goes with it. We have weekly challenge videos and we have bi-weekly zoom calls. And so it's a constant thing. Guys will say, oh, man, I'm really busy. I get that. And to get, you know, 20 guys to your church every Tuesday night at seven o'clock might be virtually impossible for some of you guys. But what we can do is we can get almost 200 guys into this community and they can, they can engage in the challenge at any point, you know, Monday morning through Sunday night, the zoom calls are pretty scheduled, but the idea is these guys are working a couple jobs. Some of them, we have pilots, we have people in military, we have all kinds of things in this group. And they can engage at any point, constantly a conversation going on. We break guys into regions. And uh, what will happen is online seems safe, like going to a mega church, because I can blend in here. Nobody knows who I am. The challenge video, and you want to know what sin is stumbling, is at my door right now. And I I guess I'll tell you guys, because you don't sit next to me in church, whatever. Here's my point. We have a guy, his name's Roger. I'm using him for the third time. I'm sure he's going to appreciate this. He's in tribe. I think he's like 74 years old. Forgive me, Roger, if I'm wrong. And every once in a while, he'll say, I hate Zoom. And I'm with you. I hate it too. Mm-hmm. However, Roger just came to our men's retreat from Illinois. He comes here. I come around the corner. He's at the merch table. And I'm like, Roger, great to see you, brother. That night, he's at my house hanging out with 39 other guys from tribe. We're eating pizza and standing around a fire or whatever. He's at our retreat, whatever. Mm. If it wasn't for Zoom, we would spend a lot of time just trying to figure out who each other are. However, because of Zoom, because of challenge videos, Roger knows that I'm just trying to figure this out. And I know the same thing. Mm. We've knocked those walls down. There's no more pretense. Now we're brothers in Christ and we're going to hang out for a couple of days. We're going to eat some tacos. We're going to eat some hot chicken. We're going to, we're going to go on a hike in the middle of nowhere. We're going to do these things together because we've already knocked the walls down, the Mm. the things that hinder us from having community. So registration opens twice a year because it's a six month commitment, but it's one of those things like, you know, if you engage in it, you'll grow. And it yeah. never remains online if you're serious about wanting to build a brotherhood. The guys that aren't, yeah, they'll get a t-shirt and they'll pay the money, but it's, gotcha. you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, the t-shirt's not worth it. No, man. I mean, I nothing replaces in person. I get that. That's definitely, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves yeah. together. I don't care if it's three guys in a garage, whatever, but <laughs> I'm like, dude, technology in this sense can be a tremendous asset and blessing. And I think guys are dumb to think that uh, guys like the apostle Paul would not have used this. Like he's using letter carriers to say, get this to this church and then get a copy here and spread it. And, and I'm like, dude, if the dude could have got on right now, just like this and been like, yo, church of Philippi, dude, I miss you. Like, yep. Yeah. I want to see you guys log on. Who's there? Hit mute. Yeah. Jeremiah, you're still on mute. Quit doing that. You know, I think, um, I I think there's a safety in, in the online thing, you know, cause you go, well, okay. Um, it's bizarre when you explain it, that these guys come together, they stay in hotels, Airbnbs, whatever's together. You're like, you're going to end up in somebody's freezer. Okay. We've already worked (laughs) through some of that. We, we we're moving through these things, but I think 
I'll tell them right in the beginning, I'm not your pastor and this is not your church. I want to get, I want you to get that clear. I'm not promoting my sermons in there. This is not a, 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 a what do you call it? A, a substitution for your church. We are not a denomination. We have guys from probably four or five denominations. That's why I joke about a cult. Sometimes people say, well, you're a cult. Well, because we don't make everyone read from the same translation. Um, it's not necessarily a program at all. It's not at all. It's not a Bible study. It's not a class. It's a community. And what you lean into and engage in, you'll get out of it and you'll get it tenfold. And I have guys who are, I believe, brothers for life. Now, here's the cool thing. We're seeing wives go, oh, you're going to get back in that thing, right? We're seeing wives sign their husbands up for you know, the retreat or mm. tell their husbands you need to go on the camp out there doing or the hikes that they're doing. We're seeing kids now start to come with their dads. You talk about spreading that net a little bit. Listen, this isn't me yeah. and you don't have to do tribe. Just build community. Like you said, start your garage, start your backyard, whatever mm. you do, but be consistent. When I see too many guys think they're going to do something like this to make money. Mm. Well, that ain't going to work. I promise you, <laughs> yep. you'll spend far more money than you make, especially in the beginning. Like it's not, it cannot be about that. It has to be about advancing the kingdom, building community. And here's the deal. I desperately need these guys in my life. Mm. So it isn't come sit at Jared's feet. If that, some guys think that's what it is. You get enough of me. You don't need more of me. You need to hear from these guys. Yep. And I'm telling you, man, when you do that, the Lord just sends high caliber humans yep. to these groups. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I'm part of two online uh, groups that I attend. They're support accountability groups. One is just for pastors. One's for any kind of Christian guy. We got young, we got old, but it's exactly what you said. Like I'm there, I have something to offer, but I come there and I'm like, I know that there's something for me. And just hearing other guys share, even if they're saying, man, I blew it this week. I looked at porn and this is how I feel, and I'm broken, and I hate this, and I, I've got to do this, and this is what God showed me through it. Man, I'm like literally there. I take my journal to everything. I have it right here as you're talking. Anything that you say that I'm like, I need that, you know, I'm writing it down, dude. It's so good for me. I, I've never logged off a Zoom call because um, we do them like every other week. We have two of them. that, that and We actually do an international call, which I love we got guys in the UK, Canada, and it's just, it's so awesome. But anyhow, I've never logged off a call thinking I got this figured out. I typically log off a call going, I got a lot of work to do. I'm telling you what, what have I been doing all day? I mean, we're, we might be looking at the same passage that night. First Samuel 17, David and Goliath and the whole text that goes with that. And some guy who never speaks up hardly, you know, will, will say something at the very end. You think, that's why I got on here tonight. And I hope when we log off these things, when we end the podcast, when we end the videos, we end, we're just a little bit better. Mm. Imagine the guys that avoid all that stuff. Mm. Man, they don't have a chance. That's good, man. I love it, dude. Um, what was I going to ask you next? The struggles that Christian men are facing. Um as you listen to guys and as you travel, speak, guys interact with you, what, what are some of the main things you see that guys are facing? I think some guys are aware of what struggle they're facing, but I also think there are a lot of guys that claim to be Christians. They don't even realize their struggle, yeah. what's standing in their way, and how paralyzed they are. Paralyzed is not even the word. It's almost just like blind sometimes. So why don't you share some of that, brother? Because obviously it's one of the reasons you started the whole pursuit of manliness tribe on and on. Yeah, I, th I think if you're not careful, you become a product of your environment. So if you grew up in a 
semi-religious kind of attention. You think that's normal. I would challenge you, get in the word. That's what I did. I went, I was already a Christian. I already was in the word. My my son, I'll just say my son was born with a collapsed lung. He's our third kid. And every every birth is radically different. Collapsed lung. We're in the NICU. That morning's probably four in the morning. You know how it is, brother. You, you throw up these popcorn prayers and you're just like, baby, and I'm praying everything. And I'm like, man, this is scary. I don't know. And I'm not saying my story is the worst, but in the moment, your story is the worst. And I, and, and in that moment, he could have easily died. And they, they got all these nurses around him and all this. And I'll never forget sitting on this hard plastic chair. And I prayed, God, if you help this little boy fight, I will fight. That was one of the most ignorant things that has ever come out of my heart and head at that. I thought you are a moron because, brother, there was no fight in me. I was existing. I don't think I was <clears> – I don't think I had depression, but I, I was depressing. And mm-hmm. I, I was – I was uh, an apathetic man who was going through the motions. My wife will say today, I've had two husbands and they're both you. I had the first one for the first whatever number of years it was of our marriage that was just kind of a guy who was a Christian, mm. you know, who was trying to, now I have a man of God and mm. it's it's different. And my kids, fortunately, God woke me up in time to, to kind of see this. Two years later, my son's dunking a basketball on a little Nerf hoop, you know, he's two, whatever. And I thought, man, this is pretty cool. It is if the Holy Spirit came and sat next to me on the couch that day. And I remember those words. If you, if you help this little boy fight, I will fight. And I'm telling you, brother, fear ran through me. And I thought, well, we're about to get really uncomfortable. And we have ever since, ever since that day, which is about seven years now, eight years now. Um, I've realized this men are far more insecure and broken than we will admit. Mm. And sometimes more than we realize Mm. we have some scars and we have some issues in our life that most men just chalk up to life experience or that sucked or junior high was rough or, you know, my dad did this or didn't do this or whatever. That's fine. Just, just admit you got some stuff. Okay. Let's start with there. You don't got to tell me about it. I'm not a counselor. Just admit that. And then you have to say, am I willing to be honest with other guys? No, not in the beginning. In the beginning, I'm not, I'm not willing to be honest. but will I at least show up? So if I at least show up to something, that's a start. And then will I, Will I pursue authenticity, which is such a word we throw around all the time. And all I'm asking you to do is just admit, I, boy, God's got to do a work in me, you know, and there are people in my life who need me to get this right. And then if I'll be responsible, a lot of guys don't want to take responsibility. So you might blame dad and grandpa and your high school basketball coach and all these guys the rest of your life. At some point you draw a line in the sand and say, no, this is on me. And if I don't figure this out, it's on me. If I create more chaos for my kids, it's on me. So for me, I went back to Genesis one and I thought, all right, God, you're up. I, I'm, I'm, I'm putting you, to, I'm putting you to the test. I'm going to look at people in the Bible and I'm going I'm to look at you and I'm going to juxtapose that with my own life and say, okay, what am I supposed to do with that? And so we're just looking at, you know, Genesis one, you're creating God's image. You're to be fruitful and multiply, which means you give more than you take. You to have dominion, which means be a man of presence. I'm going to work and keep what God's entrusted me. Genesis two 15. And if I marry, I'm going to marry a woman. Those are my five pillars of being a man of God. From there, we'll build on from there. That's all before sin enters the world. From there, I figured out take responsibility. I talk, you know, you think about worship and prayer, but you got to start by admitting it's okay to not have everything figured out. It's Mm -hmm. okay to not, my wife knows I'm not awesome. Mm -hmm. I don't need to impress her. There was a night where I took a bunch of like old high school, like VHS tapes and whatever they were and all these awards they're in the garbage. Mm. That guy doesn't live here no more. And my kids weren't impressed with him. So if that's as good as it ever gets for me, is that plaque I got at a high school sports banquet, 
I'm in a bad way. Yeah. I don't want to peak there. I want it to just keep getting better, but it only gets better if I get connected to Jesus, if I take responsibility for the people in my life and I surround myself with high caliber guys. And if you can't find them, brother, just like what you're doing, we're trying to create environments where you can find them. Yes. Yep. I like what you said. Like when you say I started just to get in the word and you said, guys are not getting in the word as you get in the word. It's a, it's a mirror like James, the apostle said, and it begins to show you where you're lacking and what you need to do. And he says, don't make the foolish mistake of walking away from the mirror and making no changes. Go, go make the changes. I like it that you said that men are far more insecure and broken than they will admit. And that's so true. And they're scared to admit that they think it's, I'm going to look weak. I'm going to look like I'm not, not a man. If I say that I deal with fear, anxiety, if I'm a coward over certain things, whether it's at work or with my wife, or um, I'm not as spiritual as I portray, because maybe I have a ministry position, but secretly I'm struggling with an addiction. Um, They need a place to come and be real. And I read a book this year called uh, Perfectly Wounded by Navy SEAL Mike Day. And this dude is as tough as a grizzly bear. He was shot 27 times total in combat. I mean, annihilated. Like who gets shot 27 times? And I've been trying, I keep trying to get him on the podcast. He's not a believer. But what's beautiful is at the end of his story in the book, uh, he comes from a very broken home, very abusive father. All of that was a driving factor in some ways to make him tough and perform in the seals. But because he had never dealt with that later in life, man, he said his issues were just out of hand. The PTSD was just killing him. And he, uh, he wasn't doing well. He was literally breaking and he finally got the help he needed through a therapist and started addressing the old wounds, looking at him. Now you don't, you don't have to camp out there and stay there, but it's like, we need to go back. We need to deal with it. And as he did, man, he's able to start really helping other guys. And it just reminded me when you said that men are far more insecure and broken than they will admit It's beautiful to me that this guy, this Navy SEAL, shot 27 times, is like, I'm broken. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's this little kid that was beaten and hurt and taken taken advantage of by my own father and others, and it's haunting me. I can't move forward as a man. I can't be the husband and dad I need to be until I get this out. And that's where you got to find those safe communities, whether it's through tribe or whether it's through what we're trying to offer with narrow trail climb teams or the men's group at your church. I don't care if you come to mine or if you go to Jarrett's, I just, you got to find that place. Open up. Yeah. Uh, Something that happened to me one time by accident. Ironically, I was in a hotel room here in this city. I went to hear a guy speak that was a mentor of mine. And um, I began to, and I didn't know what I was doing, inventory my life. And so I don't know why I did it. I was in a hotel room by myself. I knew don't get in trouble. So let's do something productive. And, uh, I wrote down like where I grew up I, and I started like mapping it out. I don't know if I got on the computer or what, but anyhow, I lived here and I lived here. I lived here. We've lived, I don't know, five, six, seven places. And then I, I, I started to consider who did God put my life in those seasons of life? Because in the moment you just think whatever, and, and not all seasons are beautiful and wonderful. And, you know, but I would identify there were certain people this guy, this guy, I wouldn't have known these guys had I not lived there. I wouldn't have had this experience had I not been there. And Grant, we live in a, we lived in a really small town, but the realization when I stepped back from all that was 
the number of miles that were traveled, the people that were placed in my life. And yet my wife and I grew up a mile apart. I didn't know her. I knew her brothers, whatever. So here's God preparing a young lady across town. She lived on the nicer side of town, but she's on the other side of town. I'm over here. I'm a mess. And, and boy, I say God dr- drug me down a gravel road, literally to, to where here we are today. We have three kids. We're serving Jesus. We're, we, 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 we got struggles. We got things we're working through. We're asking for God's favor and mercy and blessing and all that. But I just imagine if you sit down and kind of map out your life, theoretically, just maybe paper and pen, you're going to realize the Lord's been doing a lot of things. He's a God that declares the end from the beginning, and he's been working upstream a long time. It's hard in the moment. It's hard on the trail to realize how far you've come because all you think about is how do we get to the end of this thing? Mm. No, enjoy the journey. Mm. Maybe sit on the bench for a minute, have a sip of water in the middle of nowhere and just enjoy just peace, mm. whatever that is. And uh, I say all that because we're fixing on going on a hiking trip as a family next week. And you're talking about hiking, but um, I'm always it. talking about trails, it's a, but, but my thing is when I'm with my wife and kids, <clears throat> I'm looking at the end of the trail. Cause I'm about safety. I'm about protecting them. I'm about whatever, you know, like yeah. where's the end. And what happens is I miss it. I miss the the whole thing. Yeah. If you sit down and look at it and say, just enjoy it. And I think if you look at your life, you'll realize God's been doing a lot more in it than probably what you understand right now. Yeah. I like that, man. There's another book I'm reading right now called The Comfort Crisis by uh, Michael Easter. He's not a believer either, but he's got this whole chapter on the reality of death. And it's so interesting because he's he's not a believer. And most non-believers, they don't ever want to talk about that subject, but he brings that up. And he's like, we need to talk about death. We need to talk about this this thing is going to end. But with that, he was saying exactly what you're saying. Like if we would think about it more, we would begin to enjoy the journey more. Like what we're doing here, not miss these moments. And I've been trying to do the same brother. I've been trying to remind myself like today I'm one day closer to death and I know where I'm going. I'm looking forward to that. But with that in mind, like, Am I making the most of my time? And I'm not talking about the big stuff. Like, did I speak at a big event? Am I doing this for God's king? I mean, just even enjoying coffee with my wife in the morning. Because those are the things that um, the little things in life I'm finding are the most valuable. That's what you miss when they're gone, when they're taken from you, man. So think about David. Killed the lion and bear. Nobody knew about that. The brothers didn't know about that. Mm. His dad didn't know about that. I don't think because he didn't wasn't even deem worthy to invite it to the barbecue when Samuel rolls in town. So there's a lot of character development being done in us in those small things, sitting down with your wife with coffee, praying with your wife or kids before bed, telling them you love them, tell them you're proud of them, checking in on their day, those things like that, that God is never going to allow us to sacrifice family on the altar of success. He's not. And if you think that that's what you got, what you're going to do is turn around and realize you don't have your family. You're going to lose one or the other. And so I want to make sure that my my first ministry has to be wife and kids. If I get fired today, if the podcast ends today, if it all goes away, there's two things that should never change. One is I'm a Christ follower. Two, I'm married to my wife. My kids are there too. They're going to eventually take a spouse someday and start their own family and such. But if, if at the end of it all, and I watched my father-in-law when this happened because he, we're from a small town. Everybody knows him. I mean, he's Larger than life. I'd say he's a mob boss for Jesus, man. He is just this strong Italian guy. And when he retired, he was at my house. He's sitting in our basement and uh, he just seemed lost because for the first time, he didn't have to write a sermon, go to the hospital, visit people, nursing homes, whatever. And we kind of had that realization like Jesus and your spouse. Mm. Hold on to those two things. And you hold on to those two things. 
everything else will get the right perspective. I, I think. Yeah. No, it's good to hear you say that, man. And before we hit the record button, I was, uh, guys, I was telling Jared just about my journey and what Lyme disease had done to me and how I had to come off the road speaking. And what I thought was a, one of the biggest curses in my life has ended up being a beautiful blessing in many ways because it helped me really refocus, not find my identity in what I do, but in who I am in Christ. But it also helped me to really focus more on my marriage and my relationship with my two daughters and my son. And I realized that those relationships weren't healthy, but yet I'm all over the country trying to impact people for Jesus. And uh, it's funny that my my wife and even my daughter has told me, my oldest daughter, um, they admit that I've made some changes. Like when your wife said to you, like I've been married to two guys and you're both of them. Uh, my oldest daughter sometimes doesn't say it in the right way. Um, she'll say it kind of negative, take a shot at me, but she's like, who are you? And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, where, where was this guy? And I'm like, Hey, I've told you, I'm sorry for some of the mistakes I've made, the way I handled some things that you did. I didn't come across the right way. Um, all I can do is focus on today, try to be a better dad. She's like, okay. Cause she'll even see like the way I am with my dog. And she's like, you weren't like this with our other two dogs. She's like, what's, what, what's gotten into you? Like you're, you love this dog. <laughs> like, I remember years ago, our firstborn and my wife's in the back reading her like a Bible story or whatever. And I never participated in it. And I was like, she's so little. How does she know what we're doing? And I'm sitting in the live, our living room and I'm recording, I, I'm editing or whatever videos that I was going to give to parents to make sure when they went home, they had spiritual times together. You talk about a hypocrite. Here I am doing absolutely nothing spiritual in my home, but I'm getting a resource you up and I'm creating this mm. family experience environment. We got characters and we got, we're recording videos and we're doing all this. And I'm so thankful I had a gracious wife who didn't just say, you are a massive hypocrite. And mm. I've had to, uh, certainly God has had to humble me in that. Um, I've had to apologize to my kids, especially my daughters, because I'm in the same boat. I was, I was a pathetic dad. Uh, we moved here, I don't know, six, seven years ago. My daughter's in third grade. I, I, I She said, I, I didn't have any friends. Like I, I didn't, I'm so busy on the ministry and I'm so focused on, you know, the, 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 the blog at the time and the mm. church and the preaching and who likes you and who doesn't like you. And you know, all this stuff. Meanwhile, my kids are like, we got nobody, you know, we didn't have nobody, you know, mm. and looking back, it wrecks me. And I'm like, man, God, give me time to make up for that. Give mm. me time to at least give them understanding that I'm, that guy doesn't live here anymore. Yeah. He's gone. He's gone. That, that guy is gone. And so if we're not careful though, he tries to move back in. We yeah. have to be mindful of that. Yeah, that's good, man. So what are some things that Jarrett likes to do just for pleasure, for fun? If, uh, if you have a day off uh, or a couple days and if the wife is working, kids are in school and you could just say, man, this is just my day, something I like to do. What would you be doing, brother? Well, I do this stuff, you know, today, technically today, like Mondays I, or whatever, I do this type of stuff. I, what I really enjoy doing, I like, I like being outdoors. Mm -hmm. Uh, we, I like hiking. Um, I love coffee. Uh, so I, I'm Amen. not a coffee snob. I'm not measuring it. I mean, I, I fill it up. So, yeah. I mean, you're getting all the grounds if you, if I make you coffee, but, right. uh, and I, I, I am a snob with coffee. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I don't have time to measure it and vet the water. And Randy Levere does all he's good at that. I don't do that. I can't yeah. do all that. I just, I just dump it and, and stick it in there. And, and uh, you got to grow in godliness to get where I'm at, brother. 
evidently, evidently <laughs> I'm not there yet. However, I do love sports. I particularly really, really love uh, soccer, like, you know, not not American soccer, but yeah, uh, international man. soccer, Premier League, um, football. Like World Cup stuff. That's coming up. Oh, man, I'm telling you, my daughter has oral surgery coming up at some point, and I'm telling her, wait until the World Cup because you get to stay home for like seven days, and I'll have somebody at home for seven days. You talk about the schedule cleared. It's never been in November and December. I'm not yeah. doing anything. That's I will awesome. watch the World Cup the whole time. I love it. I, I just I and I and I'm I'm not good. My kids play. I played in high school, but I'm not good. I'm, you know, but yeah. I love the game. Um uh, yeah, sports. That that's you know, um you said you're a, this, you're a Packers and, fan. I'm an owner. No, I am which doesn't mean <laughs> anything. But yes, I'm a Packers fan, I'm a Notre Dame fan. So that means we have great seasons and they rip my heart out at the end yeah. uh, every year. Um and I love doing this stuff. I love, I love connecting with other guys. Um, I don't think you and I had a conversation prior to today and now, you know, obviously we were brothers before, but it's different and it's, yeah. it's good. Um, I love just trying to build community, just try try to equip men and say, Hey man, stay faithful, win the day, you know, like yep. refine your focus, you know, cause I'm trying to do it too. Yep. I'm trying to do it as well. About that. Like when you wake up in the morning, I know life can be crazy and sometimes morning routines are not what we want them to be, but what would a morning routine look like for you to start the day? Nobody's going to learn from my morning routine. Okay. I okay. am not a morning person at all. <laughs> and so here's what I do the night before I lay my clothes out and I, I stuff them all in a corner in our bathroom. I'll wear the same clothes pants for days. So it's not like I'm, I'm trying to keep the crease, but I put everything in a corner where I know it is. I don't turn a light on. I don't, I mean, everything is dark and I don't want to know anything. I'm drinking water. Um, eventually I get downstairs. Most, a lot of days my wife and kids are here. So we'll try to pray together. I drink coffee when they're gone. Then I'll sit down and I'll get in the word. Gotcha. So I'll do that. I'll drink my coffee. I'm in there. I want, I need to do that before I get to the office. Cause once I get to the office, it's, there's always a thing. Yeah. And so I try to do that. I have a guy that I disciple from our church. And so he has already texted me his thoughts on the same text that I'm reading. I'll text him back. So for me, my, my morning routine is pretty simple, but mm -hmm. it's to me, I believe your morning routine starts the night before I'm a sports guy. So if my team is playing Sunday night football, and you only get 16 of those, I know I'm going to be up a little bit later Then I need to make sure, you know, Monday, everything is right here where I need it to be. The clothes were any, I mean, I, I will prep on Sunday for Monday. Yeah. And I, I think part of that is having a church where we used to have Saturday service, you know, getting up the next day after you've done one, the next three, you're always thinking about the next day. So for me, whatever you're doing, it starts the night before, yeah. you know, you got, you got to prep the night before. That's good stuff, man. How can guys connect with you and your ministry, brother? So it's the pursuit of manliness.com. Um, and then if you search at pursue manliness on Facebook and Instagram, and I guess YouTube, you do the same thing. So uh, we we have a closed Facebook group too. We have a Facebook page, whatever, all the things that, that, that a lot of people have. So yeah, go to those places and, um, yeah, I you know, and let me know you listen to this podcast, man. I, I love what you're doing, Jason. So always yeah. good to figure out how people ended up where they're at. Yep. Cool. And guys, I'm not just saying that. Like I wouldn't have Jarrett on the show just because somebody recommended him. I went and I checked <laughs> out his podcast and I just feel like there's some good, solid stuff. I feel like it's coming not just from the word, but from the heart and stuff that he's processing in his own life. And so uh go check that out, hit the subscribe button. 
and, uh, you know, give them a follow, connect with them. And I know he would appreciate it. I would appreciate it. So that's it, man. How can we close out by praying for you and your ministry? You know, we, we just, we just pray for these men that it gets to their address. Mm. You know, I think you can consume PDFs and you can consume memes and you can consume quotable scripture verses and a quote from William Wilberforce and all these other guys. You, you could just digest that all day long, but all you become is is spiritually constipated. If nothing's ever flowing through you, you're a conduit of the gospel. So I'm, I'm just praying for the guys that listen to this stuff, people that engage with our content, people that subscribe, whatever, that they do something with it and Mm. understanding there's really nothing special about you and I. We're just feeling called to do this. And so I will, I, you and I will labor till 11, 12 o'clock at night, if that's what needs to be, to get a post out, an edit, or whatever, because we want these guys to be better because people, wives, daughters, sons need us to get this right. So pray, certainly pray for those guys Okay, that, that it gets to their house. I love it, man. It's a good, good point to end on. Be a conduit of the gospel. Do something with all of this. Why don't you close us in prayer, brother? Absolutely. God, I thank you for Jason. I thank you for the ability for us to connect. There's a lot of people who use uh, technology, Facebook, uh, Zoom, whatever, uh, for different forms of evil. And God, we're, we're, we're wanting to do it for good. And we know that you redeem these things. You are a God, as we say in Isaiah 46.10, that declares the end from the beginning. And here we are at the end of the podcast. In the beginning, we pray. Now we're closing in prayer. And we're, pray- we're praying specifically for the people that will listen to this. Jason and I could have got on the phone just to talk to each other, but we do this because we want to equip men to live out either what they say they believe or perhaps what they don't yet believe. And and, and I pray at the end of the day that they'll get in the word, that they'll get connected to your son, Jesus, and surrender to him. If we don't surrender to Jesus, we're we're just trying to change our, our, our moral behavior, moral compass. And God, I pray that we would get connected to community. There's a lot of ways to get connected to community. I pray they would do it. Online is great face-to-face is even better. But if we can't find it, we have to do the best we have with what we got. And I pray that for Jason, I pray continue to bless his ministry, bless his wife, his children. I pray that you'd be with their future spouse, their future in-laws, keep them safe, pure, help them walk with you all the days of their life. Someday Jason and his wife are able to see um, some of the fruit of their labor right now uh, in, in that. And I pray that for the same for the men that are listening, the wives that are listening, the women that are listening, God, that you would just impact them in a way that this gets to their home. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, guys, that's my interview with Jarrett Samuels from the Pursuit of Manliness podcast. I will have links in the show notes so that you can connect with him. And man, I just hope that it really does guide, encourage, and equip you in your journey with Christ. Hey guys, the Grizz Podcast is an outreach of Narrow Trail Ministries Incorporated, and you can connect with us at narrowtrail.com, narrowtrail.com, or at thegrizzpodcast.com. We do have a closed Facebook group called The Grizz Tribe. Would love for you to be part of that. It's a great place just to connect and grow together and also find some much-needed humor. So that's it. Go out and get it. (laughs) 